It's global. Hi, everybody. Welcome yet to another episode of Sexplore with Papushka. I have a very special guest today. Where? Getting this guest was hard. We had to book appointments. We had to email back and forth, be fixed in a schedule. But finally, Festus, Ibanda Kisa is here. Ibanda Kisa, introduce yourself. I can't say anymore. Tell us who you are, what you do. Ibanda is busy laughing. So I'm not used to such glowing. You're not used to the truth. Also, so much energy. <laughs> yeah, welcome to Sex Point Papushka. Clearly. <laughs> you bring the energy to the podcast. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, my name is Festas Kisa. I prefer going by Kisa. I am um, I'm queer. I am hmm. Do you know every time someone asks me, tell me about you, and mm-hmm. I just, I'm just like, so who do you want to know? I'm like, give me leakage. Uh so I'm over thirty. <laughs> over. Ooh. Yes, over thirty. Barbers, uh, yes. <laughs> Yes, and um, I work with a queer organization um, which does a lot of movement building work. And um, so I consider myself a movement builder. Um, I don't say I don't use the term storyteller because mm-hmm. people think new daku. <laughs> but yeah, mostly about just um, creating safe spaces for queer people, for mm-hmm. queer youth. Yeah, queer people, but mostly queer youth because that's mm-hmm. that's been my background for the last ten years. Mm-hmm. And so I've been doing work around HIV and um, sexual reproductive health and rights, mental health, um, gender equality, women's rights, uh, but from a feminist perspective, and um, just and of late I've been doing work around just using arts to do advocacy. So lots in I'm, I'm belonging in various okay no in different spaces, mm-hmm. and I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. So okay. uh, it's a good it's a shift from that. I'm also what else. Um, I like fashion. Clearly. <laughs> I like alcohol. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I like cocktails mm-hmm. and um and I like traveling. Yeah. So that's who I am in an actual. Why is food not in the mix? Uh well, because food depends on moods, you know. Mm-hmm. The times when you are just in the kitchen making things. Mm-hmm. But then the times when like you don't want to see that kitchen. So okay. I like food, but only if I'm doing it for friends mm-hmm. um, or for family. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I find it hard to to constantly sleep for myself. Because I'm planning what you're going to eat. I yeah, know. It's a full-time job. I told myself on, on my last birthday, which was like, what, eight, nine months ago, that I was going to come up with, I'll be an adult and come up with a menu and only stock my fridge. Hey. Here you are. Maybe, in fact, I'll figure out what I'll eat today when you leave the office. House. Yeah. Okay, so first us today we are going to talk about mentorship in queer spaces, mm-hmm. and you talked about queer spaces is what you you know part of your job. Mm-hmm. My first question would idea be what is a queer space? What do we term as a queer space? Oh God, wow, wow, this question. <laughs> <laughs> I should have gone for that. I should have gone for the fun topic. <laughs> um, so it's a queer space. I think um I would define a queer space as a space where um queer people exist or find themselves in. And um, it's not necessarily a physical space, mm-hmm. and it could be a virtual space as well, because you have noticed that um, there's so much, there's, with with the advent of, you know, technology and mm-hmm. globalization, you find that um, you can be in Kenya, but you are in conversations with people in Paris, in conversations with people in Vanuatu or something, so, mm-hmm. that, so that's a queer space for me, and it's also a space just where um, queer people get to define their own ways of living, 
so it's not just a space but it's also just where people decide by certain rules like it's not written but you know how there's like a code of conduct and yeah. so there's that so mm-hmm. there's like um there's a sense of belonging there's there's ownership and there's just a set of rules that abide by them and these rules are not fixed and they're not defined like you know how just you find yourself and you're like oh yeah so this is what we have been doing you know like there is no manual to queerness mm-hmm. or you know like or, so unless you take time to figure out who you are most of us just fall into a queer space okay yeah. so we with the stringent weird awkward shoddy lgbtq laws in kenya mm-hmm. how does that affect queer spaces and how can you know how, how a queer space is created around the legalization of lgbtq issues <sighs> oh wow so you've said something you've, okay. <laughs> so train of thought mm-hmm. um legalization and then how it affects queer spaces yes um i don't say that because of uh the laws that um you know um ambiguous and then and the penal code that is mm-hmm. you know the penal code that you know criminalizes same-sex act so there's these are place where people don't know where to belong so mm-hmm. you find that you'll fit in the community that you find and so so these communities are not as visible as you think and i'll give an example of myself when i was when i was coming into myself uh, I realized that um, so I grew up in Akuru, so I literally didn't know any other queer person in Akuru because even the people that I was doing things with or I was I had identified or I was coming, I was telling them about myself, they were not from my hometown. Mm-hmm. And then when I moved to Eldoret um, a decade ago, let me say a decade ago. So when I moved to Eldoret a decade ago, um, um, I was also, I also still struggled to find uh, people like physical spaces, and um, I so I relied a lot on the internet and would find people from Nairobi. So, you know, like I feel like if we had if we didn't have this as uh, if we didn't have this criminalization and these laws that you know that prohibit, you know, freedom of expression and such, we would be able to have spaces uh which would have to have like would have a variety of spaces and we'd be able to figure out, you know, like I I don't like this space. Like, exactly. Uh, there'll be yeah variety. There'll be choice. There'll, there'll be, be choice. Yeah. Knowledge. Anyone yeah. knows that's a safe space for this yeah. space. And there'll be people. agency. Like mm. I'll be able to say, like I'd grow up. I I would not be so desperate to find a space that I just fit in with the right one. I, that I just look for the first one and join in. Mm-hmm. I would have agency. So um, so thankfully, initiative um has that platform because when I when I was there I didn't have community there was only Galk mm-hmm. and yeah so and when I reached out at least because I was very intentional about the kind of spaces I wanted to be in um I was able to vet the people so and I remember um, um I emailed Galk at that time and I think that then I don't mention names but mm-hmm. one of the people who one of the persons who responded to that email really gave me um uh, in information and I have another time I was very keen on asking I was I was very keen on survival so i just you know how the people currently people ask you know um where can where can queers hang out where can this but i was asking fundamental questions like are you happy with your choice to come out are you happy you know is there a life after you know coming out is there yes. life after self-identity yes mm-hmm. so it was very it was a very important space for me so if so i feel like that's one of the identity i would say that's a queer space mm-hmm. and also just these other things that you find either by the group of friends that you have and and not many people are privileged to have um such friends or affirming and supporting as you mentioned the word queer what exactly is queer oh god so mm-hmm. disclaimer mm-hmm. i'm not big on labels mm-hmm. or what they mean 
So I I won't give you an Oxford dictionary. Mm-hmm. But for me, queer is just out of the ordinary out, out outside the binary, out of the ordinary. So it's basically just you um rebelling. Queer is I feel like so queer is rebellion, queer is new different it's different mm-hmm. queer is not fitting the binary of you know not fitting normalcy so for me that's mm-hmm. queer it's mm-hmm. it's you know it's just it's mystery it's you think you understand but you don't it's mm-hmm. evolving it's you know what was queer yesterday may not be queer today or next today week. or next week so for yeah. me that's what it is and for me queer is just personal like it's how you identify and and it's crazy because uh, many people just think just queerness is a preserve of you know homosexuals yeah but um just um people who do gender people who do gender work people who do um like people who are fighting against what's the word people who just fight uh, the status quo. Yeah, mm-hmm. they could be labeled queer because you know they are their rebellions, their outfits, mm-hmm. their misfits, or whatever. So for me, that's what queer is. So something there's this set standards of what things should do. Yeah. You are born, you go to school, you marry a woman, mm-hmm. you have children. You know, anyone who goes against you know, these societal expectations and these yeah. defined standards. Yeah. At the risk of being stoned, because mm-hmm. I know that you know people are very keen about their identities and yeah. some people feel lost without them. Mm-hmm. So for uh, about you know. Uh, about some of you lost without that structure. So mm-hmm. for me, I feel like anyone who rebels from that is queer. Is people queer. who are rebelling the gender binary are queer. People who are rebelling, people who are doing their, uh, you know. But again, that that's the reason I make I'm I'm want to make this uh definition as personal personal as personal as possible is because other people will be like you know yes I'm doing this but mm-hmm. that's not my label mm-hmm. and that's something I've I've learned over the last couple of years. So queer years. is like, relative. Yeah. yeah, it's relative because people define queerness. Differently, um, you'd find English teachers or some, and mm-hmm. I don't certainly because I don't even remember my teachers, but you know, someone would be like, Ah, that person is queer, so you're there excited, and they're like, No, no peculiar, hey. and I'm like, What do you mean? They're just awkward, so yeah, I try to make my identities as um, as personal as possible so that other people don't feel like they should carry it because I know, uh, people words have meanings, and they someone who said words are useless, mm-hmm. but then to some, yeah. People but then for some people, these words form an identity and that identity is their life, you know. Mm-hmm. So I try to be as, as much as possible, I try to not focus, try not to look at it from that perspective. Like, what does it mean for me? And that is enough. So now, coming back to mentorship in these queer spaces, mm-hmm. first of all, why is there a need for mentorship in queer spaces? Whew. So, um, so I'll, start, I'll start from a professional perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and I was talking about this with a friend of mine, and we would just realize that when you're in queer organizing, um, just just you just you're looking for spaces to learn, or you know, to for someone to mirror, to hold your hand. But those those opportunities are not available, mm-hmm. and, and and not even and I'll backtrack, not even from work. I'll just start from queerness, like we identify your queer, and then you know, like queerness robs you of certain things that other people take for granted, like for example. Um, queerness can make you an introvert, you know, because you're yeah. afraid of you know people finding out who you are. Mm-hmm. So you never show your true self. So that means, um, because of this thing that's telling you you're different, you know, people are looking at you, people are judging you, and people call it self stigma. But I just feel like it's just that process where you're getting to know yourself, and because 
society and because of our laws and everything, it's very hard for you to express yourself fully as a queer person. So you'd be expressing yourself like at 75%. Yeah. And most of it is limited to most of it is limited to friendships and in, let's say I would just intimacy. Yeah, let me just say intimacy because and I'm not saying this in terms of just romance romance, but we form close intimate friendships because of, you know, of our queer status. And I'm speaking that from my perspective. Like I remember I've, like I've formed very deep bonds with people because of my identity. Also because, you know, you don't want them to out you when your relationship <laughs> dies. So but yeah, so I've re- I've realized that um for many people sometimes the only way they can express their queerness is in intimate settings. So professionally or just you know, or friendship wise it becomes different because you rarely show up fully in spaces in society. You will try to show up as a brother, but you'll not show up as a gay brother, you know. Mm-hmm. Yet so you'll not be able to fully express yourself. So that one limits you. Even when it comes to to opportunities like some personally before I came out and before I told people about myself, I was very, you know, I was very choosy about who I, was, who I interacted with because I didn't know how that reaction, how that um, interaction would end up. So, you, you know, you, you spend your time, you spend so much time fearing for your safety or figuring out if this place is safe enough for you to fully be yourself. But by the time you're done, you realize, oh, wait, you didn't even know who I really am. And I noticed that with friends who I dropped off along the way. So people see me now, they're like, oh God, I didn't know you were like this. I didn't know you were shout. I didn't know you had this personality. And I'm like, yeah, because I also didn't know whether you would, you know, <laughs> I didn't know you'd go crazy after you found out who I really am. So, so I'd like to pose you there. Yeah. What I'm getting from you is these queer spaces, first of all, people don't get to live, queer people don't get to live themselves. Yeah. They're not exposed to other queers mm. or information, mm. knowledge, mm. and you know. So some people are living a suppressed life because yeah. they lack a space where they can yes. feel comfortable. Yes. There's this kid who wants, you know, they're, they're into fashion, mm. they're into all this, they're into arts, but they have a very masculine parent mm. who's telling them, no, mm. not only football, not only you, not only you. Exactly. So they've never really gotten a chance to meet people like them yes. and get to explore like True. different versions. Yeah. Or even like just to to see other versions. Because even if it's outside fashion, like just people who are attracted to other people, or people who like, um, or people are questioning their gender and etc. Like you don't see yourself in other spaces. So it's very hard for you to show that person to that. So it's very hard for first of all for you to ask for help or for you to actually relate with another person fully. Mm-hmm. And you know and for mentorship um you have to really be authentic. Because you have to say you have to point out uh, this is my area of weakness, this is where I want to improve it is in and so on, so on and so forth. So there's that. And then also just masculinity and how it's very hard uh, for men to ask for help. Or, you know, male body persons to ask for help or, you know, because of, you know, that whole stereotype that a man should be this, this, this and this. So it becomes really difficult uh, for people to actually say, hey, I'm feeling at this or I want to be this. How do I get there? And uh, the women's rights movement and just basically women have been doing mentorship and, you know, handholding much better because you find um, from the very young age, you know, like, uh, femmes and you know, femmes and you know, just um, female body persons are told, you know, um, you should be like they're open, you, should, mm-hmm. you know, they're taught to be vulnerable, they're taught to you know, share parts of themselves, but otherwise, um, uh, men aren't, so it becomes, um, so you find that even when you want to really speak out, you don't have the language or you don't have you don't have to express yourself, so it's very really hard for you to ask for, uh, for help, particularly mm-hmm. from 
I don't say fellow men because it sounds problematic. Mm-hmm. But yeah, from from other people, from other people, yeah. But so we end up tasking, we end up tasking fans and you know and women, the role of mentoring. And I see that in my life. Um, most of my mentors are women, mm-hmm. and the people that I look up to, the people who engage me on a day to day, the people who give me opportunities. Apart from it was mostly women. Then became a few gay men, and then you know, and then um, and then non-binary folks. So it's. It's very hard for for that, so that's why there's a need for us to be having these conversations. And then because when we present ourselves, and then even in queer spaces, we rarely present who we really are. We rarely present the broken parts of us. So we only show up, and most and because the only platform we have is social, so we mostly meet in social spaces. Mm-hmm. So bars. Because um, these are places that are relatively safe, mm-hmm. you know, because the church may be not, but a bar, a Tinder, mm-hmm. grinder, those spaces are, you know, they're social, you know, and it's very hard for you to bring your entire full self, you know, with your, with your emotional, um, what's the word, with your emotional, I don't call them issues because mm-hmm. that's, that's belittling them, but just, you know, with your insecurities, with your anxiety, it's very hard to present that. So, you find that in queerness there's performance like the performance that you're doing outside there is what you're bringing to the space because you want to fit in and you're not sure whether you you and your anxiety you and your anxiety will fit in because if you find and because of lack of information and because of you know this is the one-sidedness of the representation where everyone assumes queer people love fashion mm-hmm. queer people like these uh queer people are like these queer people outspoken so if you're a shy introverted queer kids who doesn't like fashion you'd have to perform you know yeah because before you find your tribe of other queers who are introverted to be a while you know and because it's the only space that you're in you can't also fully present yourself so there's an element of performance so that's why um people get shocked that you know i didn't know who you this is who you are because you didn't bring it out of me. You yeah, know, exactly. Yeah. Mm. So you, because we we not compartment, compartment, what's the word? Compartmentalize. Yeah, compartmentalize. So yeah, so if I'm with a bunch of loud drunks, I'll be a loud drunk. If um if I have to go back to my mother, who's a who's a, uh, in the women's church group, mm-hmm. I'll be quiet and introverted and you know such things. So just that lack of space to be authentic. Uh, has led to this. So right now we need to. So the why I want to talk about mentorship, and I'm sorry my thoughts are all over the place, mm-hmm. is because we really need to have people present their authentic selves. We need to pres- we need to create room for that. We need to model a world where people see where queer people see that it's not either this or this. I can be here in my full queerness, and I'll still be, and I'll still thrive, and I will find community. So. That's why we need to do that. And we need to, and by doing that, is that we have to really reimagine, we have to build new realities, basically, because um, the spaces that we, we inherited, because I can't say we created these spaces, the spaces we inherited are still part of the larger society where people will look, uh, people will judge you based on how you dressed, how you, how you speak, uh, the area you come from, uh, whether you are, whether you're from the rural or from the, you know, these things. 
so and we still see this replicated in in queer spaces because you know we are a reflection of the society at large so we really, we need to we need to create new realities for people because um even in these spaces we still have mental health issues you know mm-hmm. we have suicide of depression we have anxiety we have loneliness so what what is it that we need to um we need to ask ourselves what exactly do we need to do so that younger people and the ones who are coming after us, you know, will be able to feel safe to live out their full lives because we will blame society, we will blame etc etc. But when it comes to, but even in these queer spaces, we still have people not feeling like this is my home, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I want to talk to a lot of things. I, I know. have my notes all over. I, oh, wow. <laughs> but I want us to start with, um, you talked about representation of the queer. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you talk about authenticity. And you find that the, the, there could be a lack of authenticity in the queer environment mm-hmm. because there's so much aping culture. Yeah. And you ape only what you see. Mm-hmm. So you find the lack of mentorship is leading to people to fix themselves into boxes mm-hmm. that they think they fit. Because yeah. this is what they see in pop culture. So they mm-hmm. see in music videos. So they yeah. see. This, they, they think. And queerness has been reduced to sex. You know, yeah. you think of queer, you're like, oh, guy, I'm a guy. You, you know, are you a top or a bottom? And, and no, that's, there's the sex floor. <laughs> that, there's the sex floor. <laughs> so now it, it brings us down to while you're creating these safe spaces, mm-hmm. how can people access these safe spaces? I'm looking at that first year I was joined campus. They feel they are queer. Mm-hmm. There's so much stigma there from this religious family, a shiny CU in school. Mm-hmm. And ideally, they don't know how to access these safe spaces. Mm-hmm. Why? Because sometimes you find these safe spaces as outrightly flamboyant queers. Mm-hmm. So much that if any other person who is self-actualizing wants to access the safe space, mm-hmm. they feel stigmatized even to go because they're not confident enough, one, to hang around these flamboyantly outright queer people yeah. uh-huh. or to be associated with them. Yeah. So how do you balance the queer space whereby you're teaching people to be themselves and you're nurturing them to self actualize and identify but at the same time they know the realities of the world because yeah. you find some of these queer spaces teach someone to you know if you're a man and you want to wear a dress wear a dress mm-hmm. wear those heels but if they do that in their plot and their code they may be beaten to death mm-hmm. how do we strike a balance between mentorship and reality Ooh, okay so okay. Uh, by being authentic um, i think okay and it sounds simplistic but just remembering that um Remembering who we were before we go to the level. So, remembering who you are at the beginning. Because that is something that grounds me. I remember the fear. I remember the confusion that I had. I remember just the anxiety of meeting people that I had. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know what? Nobody should... This shouldn't be the norm for people. People should be able to... Yes, figure out, figure it out. But without the, without the anxiety and without the, you know, I'm going to hell for this, you know, such things. So, we really need to... We need to be we need to remember where we come from where we came from rather and also we just need to we need to see people as human beings and it's a simple statement but it's really important for us to see people as human beings because we have reduced people to means means to an end right mm-hmm. so for example if i see you i'll be like oh an opportunity to participate in a podcast or a chance to hang out with school friends, mm-hmm. but I'm not seeing you as you know, as me, as Isaac, as, as Papusha, yeah, yes. as Papusha, because you know, Papusha is you know, 
Papushka is a side of you, right? Mm-hmm. But then there's also Isaac, there's someone else. So, but I, I cannot, I rarely see you as that, you know. Mm-hmm. So, and it's a, it's a thing, like, when you see tops, you see pleasure, you see bottoms, you see, you know, like, such, and, and we have such preconceived ideas about people that we rarely see them as human beings. So that is one of the ways of doing that. Like we really go, we really have to go back to seeing human beings as human beings, and then, and, and giving them that, according them that you know, kindness and that grace that you know you're a human being, you could make mistakes, etc. etc. Because um, look, any just a quick look at dating sites, and you know, and I didn't know, uh, I didn't know about dating sites until someone brought it up. Uh, sometime back um like two weeks ago and told me you know um when you're older and when you know when you are when you when you're self-aware you know that granny is just an app you know mm-hmm. people's comments will be like they wouldn't face you uh maybe you're used to people just hitting on you people saying hi 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 but then the people actually don't get greeted mm-hmm. and they've put like you know five photos or four and is and so how so it really brought me back to thinking you know what there are people whose people grinder people's comments on grinders on grinder affects them. Mm-hmm. People's comments on the street affect them. People's, you know, like the people are just affected by things. And for us, you're like, ah, you know, it's a rite of passage. Mm-hmm. And not too, you know, mm-hmm. such things. But we need to extend grace to people that you know, we are not the same. You know, like um, people may see you confident and in public, but you know, and they assume that's how you've always been. Mm-hmm. But then. And then because of us and our confidence and where we are right now in life, we start we start assuming that that's where people should be. Mm-hmm. Not forgetting forgetting that people are in various stages, people um people are in like people are just people and they're in different stages in life and you have to and you have to acknowledge that and you have to give them that support necessary. And that's why and that thing you said about telling people where I dress, whatever, you know, like these spaces are because of flamboyance and, and again it could be joy, it could also be performance, but people would start thinking that, you know, um, I that's a space that I don't want to be in because of the outside, because of the outward, whatever. But then eventually when you get to know people that you're like, okay. Because even that's how it was. Uh, I remember the first time I went to a community meeting and I was like, oh my God, who are these people and what are they, do? what are, what are they doing? Mm-hmm. But then eventually I was like, you know what? Because it's a space where they feel, where people feel safe enough to, you know, show this side of themselves that you know they have locked out or you know and you know just have fun then you're able to like you're able to see okay mentally for me to exist in this space what do i need you know is this the only reality how do i you know curate uh, my own experience so you'll be like in out of the 100 people or 50 people that you meet in that space you might strike uh you might strike a chord with two or three and that's enough. You can start your own subculture, you know, of you know whatever it is that you think is of is of value. But that's only possible if you do, if you see people as people and approach them from that, you know, hey, I'm this, you are, uh, this is what I like. What do you like? And then building um a relationship of respect and you know of things that people like, and so forth. So I want to I want to bring you further mm-hmm. because when talking about mentorship, mm-hmm. clearly you're talking about mentoring people mentoring people who probably are over eighteen and you know they they've noticed they could be different. Of course, definitely. But but my challenge now is 
sometimes you find people realize they are queer from as early as childhood. Mm. There's this boy who is flamboyant mm. and probably they were blessed physically, they are thick or they have an ass mm. or something like that. They are stigmatized in school because mm-hmm. they behave like a girl. Yeah. There's this, you know, a girl who is you know tomboyish mm-hmm. and they like football and they just nini nini. They are not gay, mm-hmm. but just the expression itself mm-hmm. is stigmatized from a young age. Yeah. We have not gotten to a place in the society whereby we have empowered our parents, mm-hmm. we have empowered our teachers, we have empowered people in the villages to understand expression. Because now these people grow in fear, they grow knowing they are less, they grow knowing this is how they are supposed to fit. So as you're talking about mentorship, how can we get to to empower parents, mm-hmm. to empower teachers, and to empower people to? Because you know, the moment you're talking about you know gender expression, mm-hmm. people think you're shoving down the gay agenda upon people, mm-hmm. and sometimes these are totally different things. There's mm-hmm. the traditional masculinity and femininity, mm-hmm. but in the 21st century, masculinity and femininity has changed. Yeah, you know what you consider men to have done before, like men should be rough, men should be tough, men should be nini nini. They are soft and gentle men. Mm-hmm. But if I was a soft and gentle boy, I would be stigmatized. Mm-hmm. My parents at home would stigmatize. So therefore, how can mentoring get to these people? Okay. Interesting. So, um, creating a body of knowledge um, is one way. And, um, and I like how right now, um, kudos to the young TikTokers. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of queer content. And the internet has like you know if you're young there's a lot of visibility which is mm-hmm. a good thing mm-hmm. so that while while activists are doing the thing and getting um, getting laws repealed and so on the people uh, that people there's no more people having these conversations there's someone who said uh, something about teacup advocacy where sit people down just talk to them find out what they are uh, what they're about and what they believe in such things uh, because you can't have a conference every time you can't have a seminar, True. or you know, this is a value clarification, etc. etc. But you can take on these conversations in spaces where I feel they're safe. And we thankfully, right now, we have so many queer people who are out and proud, living authentic, full lives. So there's that, and there's a variety of people. Mm-hmm. I like how it's not just one person, like we have, like, there's Lil Nas X, there's you know, um, Demi Lovato. Yes, and there, yeah, sorry, the names are forgetting. And then there's, there's the, there's the Dennis Indiokas of the world, mm-hmm. you know, they are, they are, they are, they are various people, you know, there's you, there's me, <laughs> and you know, and, and, and thankfully it's not from the West anymore. Like, mm-hmm. it's not from the West. You know, there's Kinuthia, there's, you know, that various people mm-hmm. in Kenya that someone can be like, oh yeah, so that's a queer person, you know, there's that. And then you can be able to say that, you know what, uh, maybe this queer person is not, um, um, yay, I like how they express, but you know, that's not for me. So, like, thankfully, there's this presentation and this choice. Uh, so, young people can access that. So, but we also just need to really remind people that there's choice. That there's no, it's not fairness in one shoe fits mm-hmm. on. There's choice on what, where you fit. Yeah, like you don't need to perform queerness for anyone. You don't need mm-hmm. to be over, you don't need to be extra. And you can take on gradually. And, and thankfully, there's Q Initiative and other bunch of other organizations who. Are just giving providing space for people to fully identify and dis- and discover themselves. Um, the big task has to be on parents, and and thankfully we have queer parents who are you know, um, who are having their own children and you know they're changing the narrative. But the challenge I've noticed is that you as a parent may want to do 
You may turn to do good by your child. You know, you may turn to be like, you know what, my children don't have gender. Mm-hmm. Their names will be unisex, etc. Yeah. But, yeah. but the mom's club and their dad's club, that's where the problem is. And that's, what that's where the peer pressure is at. Because you, you might have your own ideas. But if you're taking... Uh, but people will come to your house, give you a... Uh, first of all, baby shower. It's mm-hmm. a boy, blue. Mm-hmm. Like exactly. I get you. You know, and then mm-hmm. when people are buying clothes, they'll be like, I can't buy yellow. Can mm. I find no boy should have blue? Mm-hmm. Boy should have Spider Man. I get you. Yes. So annoying. So, and it's really hard. So unless you, unless you create a community of parents who are committed to you know, uh, destroying the patriarchy, because mm-hmm. in patriarchy that's making us do all these things. Yeah. Yeah. Where? Because patriarchy likes order, masculinity, femininity. Do this. Do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because that's the system that because it needs all these dehumanization mm-hmm. forgetting that human beings don't need to fall between these categories right people can feel free to be yes just be. yes so until we abolish these systems where you know like you know that says if you're above if you're a woman and you're this age you should have a child nini all this we'll still have these because the people who are just again what i said earlier so fixated on their identities that you know they force it on other people so like mom's club um i'll go back to that if you're a dad and you know your child wants to do <coughs> wants to be a ballerina and i know there are schools that actually allow that <coughs> how are you going to are you go, yes you may support them at home but your boys your circle of boys will they understand that you know your child is this and then also just people deciding to have children and loving them because and this is just my opinion. I feel like people have children because they are told to have children. There is very akune yo pure and your unconditional love that parents should have. You know mm. that you constantly when you find that at forty your parents still telling you, you know you're supposed to be this, you're supposed to be that, mm-hmm. and such things. And that is sometimes I feel, um like you know. I feel like drunks have the best parents. You know those village alcoholics? Because, you know, your father will be like, yes, ni mlevi but ni wangu. Yes, ni mwizi but ni wangu. Like, you know, for these other people, it's like, this... Uh, I expect better or yeah. nataka mm. and yeah. all that. And, and, and once you just do that, you fall into a system of, you know, she's a girl, uh, she should be like this, like this. And, you know, and they people... This, because children... Just you, then you have a whole new set of gender norms that you are mm-hmm. not even new set, same old set of gender norms because you, you want to raise your children the way your parents raised you because that's the way you know. Mm-hmm. But you know, uh, you trying to come up with new things, you know, like parents. I, I was reading a blog of uh, this mother said that she um, she doesn't care in her child, so when she went to the school and then she, uh, she was told that the, the teacher came to their daughter mm-hmm. and she was really mad and then people are like why are you mad you know as we are beaten and you're fine so no you know such things like mm-hmm. you're trying to do this but you're by yourself so we have to create a community of a community of practice of where people just you know are just moving away from the norm they're like you know what me and my son will be will be given this name and you know uh like my child will be given this name uh, my child will use the pronouns these uh, they them etc etc so that's something you have to start doing like we have to imagine new realities and actually work our way towards it okay yeah. now I want us to look at also older queers and how they impact younger queers uh, unfortunately so they there could be some nature of predatoriness whereby these are the same people who are supposed to mentor these queer people into self-actualizing they are queer people who have been sent away from homes mm. some have lost their jobs some are just 
suffering and struggling and all that and people are supposed to be mentoring and those taking advantage of them they could take you in but at the same time they want you to have sex probably you're not their type or nini but you feel like because they're paying my house i'm staying with them i have to give them this yeah. so you have also to strike a balance between as you're mentoring young queers are you helping because now it's more transactional in some instances there are very good queers who take in other queers and take them to school and get them jobs and we commend them for that but there are also these queers who the relationship is transactional and the moment someone stops giving them whatever they want sexual you know liaisons and all that mm-hmm. the support stops mm-hmm. So what is the role of older queers in this and how can we deconstruct this predatory nature mm-hmm. of older queers to younger queers? Ooh, okay, wow. Hot topic. <laughs> <laughs> um, I believe that... Ah, uh, okay. I have such simplistic answers. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> seeing people, just seeing humans as humans, you know, because that's something that we have... Um, so that's something that... We rarely do. We rarely see we rarely see people as human beings in need of help. And again, this whole culture of you know, um, where I've spent money on you, so there should be return on investment. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, maybe that's something that was there before. But how do we create new structures? Because uh, when someone is lost and when someone is young, when someone is young and you know they are lost and you know they're trying to figure themselves out. Um, you don't need to add you like one of the things you have to acknowledge is the power you have and that's why i really like feminist principles where where the issue is power and you know and and you know power just identifying the, the type of power you have the, the type of power you hold and you know and and how you use that power in normal day to day so for example if you if you're in a position to help without getting anything in return like for example if you know that i can confidently like i can access Five thousand bob, and uh, this five thousand will help this person to, you know, move to the next level in life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't need anything in return, you know, because if it's if it's sex, I can get it from a steady partner, or mm-hmm. I can, or you know, or I can. The people are willing to offer sex to you. People are willing to have sex with me mm-hmm. for free. You yes. know, such things like mm-hmm. just acknowledge the kind of power that you have, and it could also be it could also be like social capital. Like maybe I may not have the money. But I have a friend who's hiring, you know, mm-hmm. or I know these people, they owe me a favor, etc, etc, and I could easily do that. That is within my power. Now, am I using it for good? You know, such things. It's it's just recognizing the power that you have and just knowing that, you know, is this, am I taking advantage of someone? Is someone, you know, um, is, should I have done this? You know, like such things. And and even, even when it comes to a sexual situation, even when it comes to attraction, like, is this um is this is their consent is this person just saying this because you know i am older than them or because i'm bigger than them mm-hmm. or the prospect of money at least sleeping with me because i gave them 2k the other day so it's those things that you have to negotiate with mm-hmm. and uh, and it's and it's it's a lot of work it's a lot of work it's just so simple it's just saying that you mean like when someone is 18 or 17 and they like you, and you know you you know that you are older than this person, so you know better. You're mm-hmm. like, I know, like I'll do this and this, but this is my boundary. Mm-hmm. So there's that. So it's 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 having boundaries, and also just question it. First of all, questioning your power, analyzing what power do I have, um, how am I using it, mm-hmm. and then secondly, having boundaries, and then just looking at it from the from the point of view that this person knows no does not know better, mm-hmm. and and. By virtue of you know 
having been older, that means you've went through you've gone through this experience. Exactly. And you know how the world works. This person may not know. But and yes, they might, you know, um they might they may say they want it and they're okay, but you know, you, you know better, mm-hmm. you know. So just using that that information that you have that you know I've lived, I know how this works, I know this may not end well. So how do you make sure that people are, are better? And then also having just um having a, f- a future for the game. Mm-hmm. And I look at it from the perspective of you know the more empowered the more empowered we have queer, the more queer people we empower the more the more we are, we are going to influence change in the society mm-hmm. because in a capitalist in a capitalistic world people look at you from there what you bring to the table and that's why employed queers have a relatively easier time than you know unemployed queers uh, queers who are, queers who are artists you know like the like you know like Billy Potter. In your face, queer. People are like, you know what? Yeah. People will still play Lil Nas. Mm-hmm. They play they play songs, you know. Mm-hmm. Um they play his songs. They know he's a flaming queer, but they play his songs. They're like, you know what? I don't agree with this lifestyle, but mm-hmm. that's a good yeah, jam. Yeah, you know. So uh and they are using their power to you know change the narrative. So imagine having a thousand learners access because you paid their school fees. Because you paid this office for one time, or or you hooked, or you connected this person to an opportunity, because you know it it pays back. A friend of mine told me something powerful: how this someone who uh supported them through supported them through therapy mm-hmm. without asking for a single thing, and this person when they got better, they know they're paying for therapy for someone. You know they're paying it forward, so that means you just you just you're creating a a community of kindness, mm-hmm. a, a community of kind people. A community of queers who are you know uh who are looking out for each other so meaning 10 years from now 20 years from now even even if you don't get the acceptance we see from society even if we don't get that we'll have life will be better for so many for so many queer people because you know the system is not changing you know and maybe and maybe it's changing but gradually but queer Queer stories are the same you know yeah i agree mm-hmm. queer, queer stories are the same whether you're here whether you're you from because when people were talking about that, when people talk about their struggles in the eighties, I still went through those struggles, you know, in the two thousands. So I'm like, yeah, but we'll be having, but the difference is that there'll be kinder people mm-hmm. who have seen, who have set up structures to accept people, to mentor them, to help them feel, to help them live really full, authentic lives. Now, as you're talking about mm-hmm. this, we can't fail to talk about toxicity in queer spaces because there is some toxic yeah, elements in queer spaces. Yes, yes. One toxicity in whereby there are facets in the queer um, spaces. For instance, you have programs here where you meet queers, you give them you know, whatever they need, some talk, sexual reproductive mm-hmm. health and all that. Mm-hmm. But you find someone may be stigmatized here. Mm-hmm. Someone is a queer from, you know, some deep deep in the village mm-hmm. they come probably fashion is not their forte so they yeah. come here just as they are yeah. and people are like guy i'm a virgin oh, look at how they look like they have no fashion or not, not no or they are poor mm-hmm. this and they have acne on their face one there's this stereotype that for you to be queer you have to be extremely pretty if you don't check the pretty box mm-hmm. you'll be you know there'll be stigma against you by yeah. fellow queers okay. at the same time 
there is the issue of privacy in queer spaces, which mm-hmm. is a huge conversation. Someone may not be comfortable with their state. They don't want to be identified as queer. They don't, you know. But then they come to these queer spaces to learn, to grow, and to to you know to get whatever they need, mm-hmm. you know. But then you find sometimes they meet people in town, and then everyone is like, oh, look at that. That is a queer person. Mm-hmm. I know them. I saw them in this meeting. Mm-hmm. So how do we sort some of these toxic elements in queer spaces? There is outing. There is privacy, which is a concern. There is also this stigma with facets of queer. The fashion queens, mm. you know, the, the masculine ones, the whatnot, mm. the ratchet ones, the whores. But this is a community that is already stigmatized. Mm-hmm. The best they could do is stay together. How do we solve the issue of stigma on toxicity <laughs> in queer spaces? Mm. Okay, so um, I think um, the first thing is like calling things out for, for what they are. And, and I know toxicity is a word that reduces, but toxicity is just so, it's so big. What do you mean? Mm-hmm. So I feel like just naming what is the problem mm-hmm. is an important thing. Like classism. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, classism is a, is a problem, right? Mm-hmm. And then there is, you know, and then just selfishness. There's that, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's, um, we just don't have a ground rule. We don't have ground rules around what our community should look like. And that's yes. why, but uh, to be fair, it's a reflection of what's happening in the society. Mm. It is because people look at you from the point people look at you from the with the perspective of what can I get from you. And you know, it's a very man eat man society. Pardon the pun. It's a very man eat man society. Mm. So when you when we need first of all we need to build the agency of people. And that's something that um I, I believe the initiative was formed for. Like build the agency of people. So like people should be able to fully see themselves as queers as first of all as human beings human queers mm-hmm. will come later mm-hmm. you need to fully see yourself as a human being you know uh worthy of respect worthy of etc etc but the problem with uh, homophobia and stigma is that it really breaks you that you feel like you need to belong even when you're not even where you're not even where, where this spaces that don't favor you you know because that's the reality for many people that i don't belong here I have to belong here. I have to fit in here. But so the work that we can do, and this is where mentorship comes in, mm-hmm. like we just need to model in such a way that someone can see you and belong. And we're not saying, okay, I'm not saying like put people put people on a pedestal, but I'm just saying that we need to be able to, you know, people need to be able to feel like they belong here, and you know whether, like you know, in WhatsApp groups, you can go in, you can be, you can join WhatsApp in there, like I. And my yes, yeah, then yes. you then you leave. Mm. We should be able to have that without without someone feeling like it's either this or loneliness. Mm. It's either this or that. So first of all, so how get do you the right space? Yes, mm. how do you address this issue? And some of these things, it's not even about space, it's about just you know investing in the person so that the person knows that you know what I'm worth it. Because many people don't have that. Like many people, many queer people don't have that believe that they are worth it and that's why we have issues and that's why we have we are constantly chasing after something that you know we are constantly chasing after something that is harmful or you know that just to feel like you know i'm worth something that and and many people struggle i've struggled with it you know struggling to you know find myself and it's a it's a very and it's something that doesn't it's an endless process finding yourself mm-hmm. and you know and loving yourself to uh, enough to have boundaries because when you love yourself, you know that this is not my space. If, if, if this space has gossipers, and this is not my environment. Because when you love yourself, you know yourself. 
so such things um so i i do not um we need to empower and equip the queers to look at themselves as not flawed but see themselves as you know uh, whether i am trans whether i am gnc whether i'm lesbian or whatever i am human and i'm worth it i'm worthy of love i'm worthy of respect i'm worthy of these things so that even even when they go to spaces that are shitty they'll be like you know what nope you're not doing this to me but because you have a because our system doesn't invest in people we don't see human beings as human beings uh, we start you know that we use such external parameters such these standards of beauty and you know just mm-hmm. standards of acceptance um that are ridiculous but you know someone will be like you know what yeah that's your standard and you know what me and my other ugly people are going to find our own or and because that's bullying if you call it out someone will be like you know what but it is so cool i need to stop doing this but the reason why it it continues to perpetuate is because we have not called it out we haven't mm-hmm. we are people who would rather you know go complain on facebook and in other groups ah you know i'll do it with it and i've and i've had statements like this and it's very someone was just telling me yesterday oh i don't have gay friends because you know gays are toxic etc and i was like you know what i was like i'm sorry Mm, I'm sorry that this, I was like, I'm sorry that this is your reality. Mm. But for me, my best friends are queers, you know, like um in fact I relate more with queers than with others. Mm. But, and then and this is a narrative that also appear that this is a narrative that also is spread in the society. So I'm looking at things inwardly and I'm also looking outwardly. So sometimes people don't even know that queers are toxic, but this is that narrative where we say queers are negative, queers are toxic. But maybe some people have not okay. It's two ways. Could be true, but then some people have not experienced that toxicity. But then they just brand queers as exactly. People. And they and that's I feel like that's a tool of the patriarchy. It's like when people it's like that statement, women are their worst enemies. Mm. And you know, like that's not true. Because look at, you know, the chambers that women do and they just they, they labor the because some people the community building work that women have done, you know, it's 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 commendable. So the same way, uh, queers we have this narrative that queers are bad because if you have a problem, a queer person will understand you better than a straight person. Because, mm-hmm. for example, if you're telling someone about you know a, a grand experience, someone is just like, what? You met someone on the internet, alafu? Mm-hmm. Uh, get you. You know they don't get you. Yeah. But a queer person will be like, hey. You know, I love, you know, such things. And they have, because you need community. And we need to be able to, you know, uh, and we need to be able to call out these things that are not, uh, in this community that we don't, that we don't like. Secondly, that thing about privacy, it has really, it has really ruined access to healthcare for people. Because imagine if you're a queer doctor, a queer therapist. If you're telling the, if you're telling a queer therapist your anxieties, you know, they'll not link it to, oh, it's because you're gay. They'll be mm-hmm. like, they'll be like, you know, I know what you mean. They'll exactly. sort it out from another problem. Yes. If, or when you're telling or when you're telling a therapist about dating and you're telling someone about how yes, I've met this guy by done to go and you know, and it won't be jokes where you're trying to first of all sensitize your therapist or whatever. Mm-hmm. If you have like anal words, you know, it's very easy to tell this person about enoloids and hemorrhoids and whatever. But they're like, you have anal sex? Why? Yeah. How? Because we spend so much money sensitizing healthcare workers. Mm-hmm. 
like a big chunk of a budget and it wasn't until someone pointed out their annual budget the budget they spend on health and then health workers and the budget they spend on seminars and then the budget they spent on queer empowerment you know just economic 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 empowerment for queers and they're like so much money goes outside than inside than inwards so we don't invest in the people that we're in we spend it on so many people and you know this work will continue you'll have a budget for sensitization next year the year after etc but imagine you have a pool of doctors mm-hmm. queer doctors imagine you have a pool of queer police queer lawyers mm-hmm. you know these who are, understand the struggles of the yes, support. Yes. you know they will be influencing they'll be influencing these things in the boardrooms exactly yes we'll be on the streets but they'll be in the boardrooms doing the work you mm-hmm. know so we really need to stop this narrative of queers and because it's very it okay it's a narrative yes and we actually have to build community so this can happen because there are people who are in influential positions but because they're like fat queers we lose out because mm-hmm. imagine someone maybe let's say wait let me see so, like and this is an example hypothetical example imagine someone in the in the you know in the cabinet or someone in our mps or someone in this, you know, county governments, you know, imagine someone in those positions yeah. where they can, where things like, you know, what are these funds? CDF, youth, youth fund, yeah. these agriculture funds, etc, etc. And imagine they just go like, you know, or people who are reviewing these movies and they see Kenishti's profile lapo. You know, such things like mm-hmm. we need to build communities so that in the long run, people feel, when people feel safe, they'll be able to, you know, your self-stigma and that hatred and that homophobia. Let me, yeah, let's call it homophobia. Because it's used as hatred, hatred for gays. Exactly. And fear of gay. Because even, even gay people have homophobia. So, so yeah, if able to, if we could just rectify these things right now and, you know, and address the classism and just, and you know, there's some things that are just there. But if you empower queer people enough to know that, you know what, you're not worth this. So yes, the community work may take a while. But if we just invest in people, just you know, invest in their mental health, invest in their you know, invest in their self worth, nothing will shake them. Because sometimes some battles are fought from within. Yes. True. Yeah. I sound like Oprah, but <laughs> yes. But we yes. I beg to stop you there. We only have five minutes left. Ah. Yes. Right. But I think one thing that is coming out clear from this conversation mm-hmm. about queer spaces and mentorship is one seeing people as human beings. Mm-hmm. As an older queer, what are you doing to younger queers in terms of mentorship and helping them self-actualize and all that? If you're in a position of power to help, what are you doing? Uh-huh. And, and and as a as a young queer, probably your twenties, eighteen, seventeen, mm-hmm. eighteen, nineteen, twenties, mm-hmm. whatever, mm-hmm. you are trying to, you know, navigate life differently. Mm-hmm you know, access queer spaces around you. Mm-hmm. And also you talked about online. There's also toxicity on grind in terms mm-hmm. of, you know, communication. Mm-hmm. So you treat people as human beings. If someone is not your cup of tea, how can you politely dismiss them? Mm-hmm. If someone is, you know, interested in you and you feel how do you you know how communication and treating yeah. people as human beings it's really important. Yeah. So as we finish this conversation first as um, I want you to talk to these young queers who feel they need mentorship but they don't know how to go about it. They are confused, they are lost, they have self-stigma, and they don't know what next. Um, so, young queer, um, and this will be, again, simplistic, um, take time to know yourself. Because most of the time, we throw ourselves in queer spaces, where, and we don't know ourselves. And everyone looks like they got it, but they don't got it. So, please, just take time to know yourself, and just know what works for you, what doesn't work. Um, it's better to have one friend, 
who understands you than to have just a pool of people that who you have to constantly chameleon or morph into other things. So take time to know yourself, know who you are, what you stand for. These are values that will serve you throughout life and not just in queer spaces, just throughout life. Just find out what you what you believe in, what you stand for and who you are. Because your values and your beliefs is what makes you who you are. And when you say values, when I'm talking about values, I don't mean the religious values or whatever. Just find out what you believe in. If it's honesty, stick to it. If it's if it's confidentiality, stick to it. That becomes who you are and that is what will that's what that will form your identity. Yeah. So find out who you are, find out who you are, what you stand for, your value system, your your value system, and then that will guide you in the kind of relationships and the spaces that you're going to be in. You think you'll fit in. Yeah, you think you'll fit in well, yeah. yeah. Thank you very much, Festers. I still have a lot of notes of things we didn't cover within the topic, but it was such a big topic. Uh-huh. Um, I hope to have you again on the podcast. Thank you. If hopefully, someone, hopefully, yeah. hopefully over a lighter topic. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to. Ah, <laughs> to, <laughs> But so if someone listened to you and they want to connect to the Festers or mm. Q Initiative and mm. they wanted you know to get to converse with you as a mentor, <laughs> how can they access you? Um, so on Twitter, my handle is Ibandakisa. Uh, on Instagram as well, um, Ibanda Kisa. So, do you reply to DMs? Yeah, I do. Please mm-hmm. slide in the DMs. <laughs> okay, thank and, you. And my profiles are public. So. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So thank you very much, Festus, for coming to the podcast. Till next time. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.